0: Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster Carrie Newhoff and Barna President David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman.
1: Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. We're so glad that you're joining us this week. My name is Kerry Newhoff. I'm joined by Barna President David Kinnaman. Uh, David, as we head into the fall, uh, man, we are really watching the emotional health of leaders and of people. It just seems to really be taking on a a new trajectory and we wanna focus on that in this episode.
2: Yeah, exactly, Kerry. Almost a year ago, we did a big study called The Connected Generation. And I used this phrase that the emerging generations, millennials, Gen Z, need an emotionally connected church. Uh, We had seen in that data that only one in three uh, young people around the world felt like someone around them knew them well, loved them, appreciated them. A lot of levels of disconnection is sort of the irony of calling it the connected generation. It's really the disconnected generation. And so this idea of an emotionally connected church, uh, a lot of people said, what, do, what does that even look like? How, how do we even do that? What would, what would that? what would that sort of begin to you know, sort of surface as an emotionally connected church? And so I'm excited to talk to Pete Scazzaro today, as well as to tell leaders today what we're seeing in the data about a lack of emotional connection, about the challenges of mental health. Um, and, and sort of the, the coronavirus and all the, the the various crises that we've been experiencing the last six months has really revealed how important it is for the church to show up when it comes to emotions.
1: Well, what strikes me as you, as you share that study, and I remember it, David, is people were feeling disconnected before the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, there's one guy I'm tracking with in Silicon Valley. He's basically been in lockdown since March, just where he lives in his community And if it was a problem a year ago, it's a much bigger problem today. By the way, for those of you who are new to Church Pulse Weekly, want to welcome you. We do this show every week. David and I uh, sit down with some of the latest data and some of the best thinkers, practitioners, thought leaders we can find to really give you a practical hour-long dose of fuel that you can use for the upcoming week. And um, by the way, you can find everything that we're talking about at churchpulseweekly.com. If you're listening and you're new, a lot of you are. The podcast has really taken a surge this fall. Uh, Please subscribe and share it with a friend if you find it helpful. And um, anything David talks about data-wise, you can access at barnaaccess.com. So all these studies that we'll reference, I mean, Barna is sort of the researcher for the church and for a big part of culture. And you can find all that at barnaaccess.com. So make sure you check that out. So David, what are we going to look at today? Uh, walk us through some data that has got your attention.
2: Well, I thought what I'd do is really double click on some of the the findings about mental health, emotional health, relationships in the COVID era. Uh, and really, as we've sort of started our, our podcast here today, even stretching before, these are these are things that are accelerated by COVID, but but these were all sort of issues and challenges that people were dealing with uh, before that. So I want to start with this um, idea. For, first, this is all stuff I wrote up on your on your blog. Um, uh, yeah. It's uh, the title of the article yeah. is uh, Four Ways the Pandemic is Negatively Impacting People and so this idea of the church showing up to help people through mental health uh, relationship challenges emotion emotional challenges um so first i want to actually flip the order of the way i wrote the blog and talk about pastors because we talk about a bonus trend at the very end that pastors are dealing with all the same mental and emotional health challenges again that's nothing new but what i see as a researcher having you know studied tens of thousands uh of, of church leaders through through our research every year Um, is that I have not seen uh, in my 25 years of research uh, this trend, which is that pastors are on the field in the same way uh, that the people are going through emotional challenges. So, so the way I would describe this is during a normal period of time, uh, pastors uh, are, are are going through a range of different challenges. Um, they're struggling with burnout. They're struggling with different issues and challenges, addictions, pornography, and all those things are common to to people. And so, they're going to be common among spiritual leaders as they are among people. But what we're seeing in this research is that more than ever, pastors are struggling. I mean, they're they're struggling with their calling. Do I stay in ministry? Uh, what did I get into this for? Uh, more than ever before, they're struggling with uh, with admitting to a lack of relationships around them and emotional health. Um, that they're they're struggling with their mental and emotional health in, at levels we just haven't seen before. Now, it's to to be really accurate about this, there are some pastors that are just you know still still doing pretty well, or at least they they perceive themselves to be doing pretty well. But the numbers who are at risk today of pastors who are dealing with relational challenges, emotional health challenges, mental health. Um. You know, you know, questions of calling. It's really at, at levels we just haven't seen. I haven't seen yeah, in twenty five years. You're
1: saying it's it's unprecedented. I mean, having spent twenty years as a lead pastor and five now as a founding pastor. You know, sort of involved, but not at the same level. Uh, tell me if I'm reading this correctly. But the way I would see that is, yeah, in pastoral ministry, you're used to dealing with crises. Sometimes you're having one personally. Sometimes there might be a board issue. But, you know, if I'm counseling you on your marriage, it tends to be like your marriage, not mine. And I'm trying not to bring it home, but like I'm able to help you. And I think maybe what's different is everyone's traumatized by the huge level of division, change, the pandemic, uh, you know, racial justice. All of those issues are just causing massive disruptions, as we've talked about uh, ever since the show started. But like we're all processing it in real time, so I don't really get a break because your issues are also my issues. Is that maybe in part what's fueling some of the, the the trends that you're seeing, David?
2: I think so. And I mean, throughout the the whole tracking we've done together, Carrie, we keep reporting on the fact that pastors didn't sign up to do digital ministry, didn't sign up to lead these sort of dispersed teams of people. Didn't didn't don't know how. Don't have a playbook. Don't understand. Um, and so I, I think the crisis at, at its best, we could say it 's sort of revealing a lot of our uh, the thinness of our of our leadership the thinness of of how we 've structured our lives and ministries and organizations and and for that reason, I think it 's a great reason for us to look about how do we put, plant our our roots even deeper into into who Jesus says we are and how we can be the best kind of leaders to show because we we 're not actually called to do everything that we sometimes think we are. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So you've got um, a big study uh, that you've kind of released. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Some people will be able to access it live, some on demand, most on demand by the time they hear this. But can can you talk about where people can learn more?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So these four trends, and I'll just hit them quickly, so we can get into our interview. But we've we've done a big study with the Boone Center for the Family at Pepperdine University called "Restoring Relationships." Uh, we're going to be doing a, a free webcast on September 30th. So if you're hearing this before September 30th, you can you can check it live. Uh, if you want if you want to uh, listen to it, it'll be on demand after September 30th. But you can you can see more at barna dot com slash restoring relationships. Um, And essentially, we're looking at a variety of different uh, things. We're calling it a Barna Digital Summit on Relationships, Strong Connections, and Mental Health, and what could be more important right now than the church showing up to support people in relationships, strong connections, and mental health. That includes pastors. That's, that's the, the headline here is we as pastors need to focus in on our own mental health, our own relationships and connections more than ever. Uh, but among people uh, generally, I mean, just I'll hit these highlights. I'll just r- r- we'll rattle them off, and then we can, we can discuss any of the trends you like. So number one, mental health uh, has reached sort of crisis levels in ways that were already trending up. Uh, but 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 we 're seeing huge increases in that uh, since since coronavirus hit and, and sort of the, the sequence of, of, um, of crises we 've gone through number two the, the the gnawing problem of loneliness is growing. Um, you know, uh, uh, crazy numbers of Americans uh, say that they're, they're lonely. One-third say that the loneliness that they experience affects their most important relationships, which is a really self-aware thing for one in three Americans to say, right? Like, this is one of the things that's really interesting about this study about restoring relationships is people are actually self-aware enough – to tick a box on a survey to say I'm I'm lonely and that's affecting my most important relationships. Uh, what an incredible opportunity for the church to step into that void. By the way, all of these trends are even more the anxiety, mental health, uh, loneliness, even higher among millennials and Gen Z. Um, wow. You know, so which the is, younger you get, the higher it is. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is an interesting thing because there's more awareness of the issues and challenges. So it's not as it's, there's not as much stigma about talking about it. Again, which is one of the reasons why we said. The church needs to be emotionally connected, emotionally connected to the people it serves, uh, understand what's on, on the hearts of people. Uh, the third issue, so number one, mental health has reached crisis levels. Number two, the, the gnawing problem of loneliness. Number three, relationships are straining under new pressures. Uh, marriages, those who are single, um, you know, mom, moms and dads who are at edu- home educating their 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 children. The parenting issues are challenging. Uh, number four, addictions have deepened during the crisis. So this is a this is a recipe, not just for a disaster, but for a tsunami of mental health and emotional health challenges. A wave of opportunity for the church today. And um, I just want to say a couple things as we as we transition from the data portion. Again, number one, you can find all of the data, the slides, the analysis of these relational issues at barnaaccess.com. You can also take a free check-in with your people. We call it the People Pulse. And you can figure out just on a quick basis for free, we're making some of these tools available as we have for many leaders since the coronavirus began. But we've got a really cool tool called People Pulse where you can check in on the emotional health, the physical well-being, the financial well-being, the the, the vocational well-being of people, simple anonymous service that you can use for free, and you can find that at BarnaAccess.com, or if you go to ChurchPulseWeekly.com, you can find avail- the, those free tools also available there. But what an incredible opportunity we have as church have as church leaders to live into this vision of what it means to be an emotionally connected church, an emotionally connected leader understanding how it is that we can show up to sort of serve these refugees from the crisis of the pandemic that we're that we're going to see it sort of emotionally mentally sort of uh, in terms of their relationship so uh, anyway lots of different ways you can access that but um, we're just we're, we're so excited to talk about how we can show up to meet the needs that people have today in, in real ways
1: well and maybe that's a good time to bring in Pete Scazzaro so uh, Pete has impacted my life very deeply I like to tell him that when I read One of his first books, oh, probably, I don't know, the early 2000s. I'm like, oh boy, that read my mail. Like I had a lot of emotional maturing to do. Uh, Pete, if you would join us, he leads Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He's an author. He's a podcaster. And I know for a lot of our guests, uh, or our listeners, I should say, he's uh, made a huge impact. Pete, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Good to be with you. Yeah, so you had a chance to hear some of the trends that David was sharing. Uh, does any of that surprise you? And what are your reactions to what uh, what David had to share in the data?
0: Yeah, I, I'll agree with the two of you, Carrie and, and David. I, I've been doing this a very long time, too, decades. And uh, this is unprecedented. I, I have not mm-hmm. seen this level of uh, crises. I, I, I mentioned the word to you earlier before we started that there's a cascading of crises. It's just coming one after the other. Uh, and uh, there, to me, it's much like the the birth pangs that Jesus talked about in Matthew twenty four. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. And if you think of a person giving birth, a contraction comes, and then the next one might come, you know, ten minutes away. But you don't know if you're going to have you know thirty contractions or five hundred contractions. But they just kind of keep coming, and they come with greater intensity. And I think that's really what we're experiencing. We think, oh, the first crisis, COVID, all right, you know, boom. And then it's like another one, another one, another one. I just, it's almost like, I don't say weekly or monthly, but they seem to be growing in intensity and speed. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, the trends that you mentioned, David, I, I mean, I'm observing it, you know, intuitively and in talking with people, but it's unquestionably a very unique time uh, in the, the history of the minimally the Western church, but the global church as well.
1: You know, it's interesting, Pete, what we talked about at the introduction too, I'm I'm thinking about it. Like when I think about your story, which you've shared pretty publicly, you ran into a bit of a crisis, you know, it wasn't going well with you and your wife, Jerry. The church was going well, but Pete wasn't doing well. I had a very similar thing happen to me 14 years ago when I burned out, church was going well, but I kind of collapsed on the inside and by the grace of God came back. and that has been, for most leaders, how things have gone. Things on the outside are going okay, or there's a mini crisis. But um, I'd love your take on what the dynamic is when there are cascading crises and you're in leadership and all these things are happening to you at the same time. P- plus, you've probably got one or two little, you know, you got a kid. It's not going well. Maybe your marriage is a little bit stressed. Maybe money's a little bit tight. So you have one or two of those personal crises going on, but you got all this stuff on the outside. What does that How does that change the dynamic?
0: Well, I I think the most important question and issue is what is God doing, Mm. and because our the invitation of God is from God to us is to be present to what's happening around us, and uh, and 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 in some ways we we it's revealing so much of our the cracks in our foundation or the limits of our. Uh, our own spirituality with Jesus, uh, our theology, our our gaps. And so I see this as actually a a gift and a wonderful time for God's doing something very significant in us as leaders and in his church. Uh, But it's a big change and it's going to, the old is gone and something new is emerging, but it surely begins with us. So I, I would say one of your, you know, we talked earlier, it's, it's, it's a revealer of where we are as a church and it's a, it's a, it's a tragic revealer. as you've mentioned in a number of your own blogs, there's an accelerating of trends now and it's happening at such a speed, it's dizzying. Uh, So yeah, I think it's, I I think there's a, it's a God moment actually. Mm -hmm. And one that we need to be very discerning, very wise, be listening to Jesus uh, and follow him into new places that we've not been before.
1: So there are some leaders listening, probably quite a few, both by the data and the people we know, the stories we know, who are saying, Pete, I'm hanging on by a thread. Like, I, I don't know whether I'm going to make it till Christmas. Where would you begin with a leader like that?
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, I say the, fir- the first person you, you need to lead is yourself. Mm-hmm. There's no question. I mean, we're talking about, you know, you guys talk about mental health, emotional health. You can't be present with other people until you're present with yourself. You can't be emotionally connected with someone else. So you're emotionally connected with yourself. I mean, you got How can I be with you if I can't be with me? I mean, it's just so, so the great challenge right now is to, is for as of myself right now is things are happening around me and I'm feeling all the polarization happening politically in our country is that, uh, is to relax in Jesus, to spend the time I need, uh, in the ways I need to, so I can remain anchored, not anchored, not anxious, hmm. prayerful uh, to Jesus. And so I, can, I can't bring leadership to anybody else unless I'm being with Jesus internally myself. Some in of the words, if I, if I lose that center, I, I, my, I, I, it doesn't matter what strategy I use or what I say, I, I, I can't, I'm not leading well. And so that, the, most, the most challenging work for every one of us right now is, what do I need to stay anchored and abiding and in the peace of God in the midst of this storm? And the, the now drastic adjustments undoubtedly need to be made. So to think you're just going to work harder to try to hold everything together together You see, you may be trying to hold things together that God's not interested in holding together. So (laughs) you're you're, you're working on something that he's not working on. That's a problem. And then you are truly spinning your wheels.
1: I I was uh, taking a Sabbath on the weekend, which I'm not very good at, okay? Self-confession, I I stink at Sabbath. But um, I was thinking about all the things I was not doing and all the stuff that was piling up for Monday. And I was having a conversation with God about it. And, you know, do you really hear from God? I don't know. But one of the things I heard was, just give me your loaf and your fish and, you know, trust me to multiply it. Like, don't worry about that. But one of the refrains that I've heard, and listen, I'm not the best practitioner on that. One of the refrains I've heard, and we've heard it from guests on the show who lead very large ministries. It's like, I've never worked harder in my life. Like since the pandemic hit, never put in more hours, never worked harder in their lives. And yet what you're saying, which I don't think anyone would disagree with is, no, you need to be still, and be with God. How do you do that? When, like, if if, if there was a course correction that you were going to prescribe, Doctor Pete, what, what would it be to people who are saying, "I'm putting in more hours, dude, than I've ever put in in my life"? Like, what do you tell? Ta- what do you mean? I, I need to slow down and be with Jesus?
0: Yeah. So so I, I think at at the core, this is a there's a this is a theological issue, theological issues that we have to grapple with. Uh, before we grapple with strategic issues, because what we think biblically about what it means to follow Jesus uh, is going to inform the kind of decisions we're making on a daily basis. So for example, um, and I've been working on this, I've been, I've been working on this, this, you know, thinking about it quite a bit over the years, but now it's really come together. For example, I want to be before I do. I've got be right out of which I do. Number two is I, I want to make sure that I'm following the crucified Jesus, not the Americanized Jesus. And again, I think that's part of what's happened with this pandemic in particular, where all of a sudden, you know, going after crowds and numbers and measuring success by dazzling services and crowds of people in the room that can cover over a lot. You can feel very good about yourself. uh, If the thing is just keeps going on, you know, you got people in the room, the money is good. We look like we're growing. It uh, looks like it, feels like it, but it doesn't actually mean I'm actually doing the difficult work of making disciples, which is inch by inch, very slow, very painful, and developing leaders out of that. Out of that, Deve- doing pastoring and leading a church and developing disciples who multiply into other disciples. That's a very hard, slow work. There's nothing glorious and beautiful about it. It's just it's wonderful, but it's painful. And it's slow. Well, the American church is not really, that's not really our thing. Our thing is you're a success if you're growing in number. You, you, your services are attractive. You've got great programs. And that's an Americanized Jesus. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a, if you look at church history, I mean, where is the mega church in American church history? You know, I mean, I mean in global church history. And uh, if you look at the history of the church, whether it's the persecutions in the early centuries or things like the French revolution, the Russian revolution, you think of the, uh, you know, the, the uh, communism coming in 1949 to China, 1917, the church being shut down in the Soviet union. I mean, the church has been through many, many times where they were not meeting on weekend Sundays anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even to this day, you know, in Muslim contro- controlled countries and environments and the church has thrived and done very well, but it's not, by these measurements that we define success. So I think that there's some theological, that's, that's a big theological category of letting go of measuring success by numbers versus success in scripture is becoming the person God's called you to become and doing what God's called you to do. And then doing what God calls you to do in his way and in his timetable. That's a very different definition of success. So you can be growing a big church and actually failing, but right now, if you're measuring yourself by numbers, you're in big trouble because that's shot. But it's not, a, it's not a biblical way of only measuring success because obviously John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Jesus himself did not have the big numbers, all right? In, in right. The but then I think there's a whole theology of limits. You know, we embrace our limits. Uh, and uh, God gives us a gift of limits uh, to restrain our rebellion. And we're, we're, we're now constrained by a lot of limits. Uh, boy, oh boy, there's a lot of limits around us. And those are gifts. The question is, what are the gifts? How's God coming to us through these limits? Uh, And then personally, how much can I actually work, right? How much can I do, Carrie? But I got to sleep. I've got to get my time with God. I've got married. I've got kids. I I need time to just relax. Um, But how do I live in in some rhythmic way, which only leaves a certain amount of time for work? Because I've got, I'm I'm a human being. I'm not God. And so that, that's, a, that's a theology of limits. Even grief and loss as a theology, there's so much, there's a lot of grieving going on. I mean, I'm here in New York City. My wife and I are walking through uh, uh, the neighborhood where our church actually originally started, where 68% of the people have uh, were diagnosed with COVID-19. And uh, it's in Corona, you know, Queens here. And uh, we were there for, we went there for, uh, for a walk and for lunch yesterday. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of grief. And loss uh, happening around the world right now. And we, as pastors and leaders, have our own grief and loss. So we've got to grieve those things, wait on God with them, and let Him birth something new out of it. So that's a whole nother spiritual discipline. Again, it comes out of theology. We've got a whole book called Lamentations, but this is not an American theology or North American theology of bigger, better, faster, or ascent. We are, we are actually having an opportunity to live into some scripture now that in some ways the culture has just swept us up in.
2: I'm uh, doing a study on perceptions of Jesus when you talk about the North American or American version of Jesus uh, versus a, a biblical version. I'm convinced that we create Jesus in our own image, whether that's uh, cultural or skin skin tone or whatever it may be. Um, I'm wondering what other Sort of idols. You think you've talked just a little about sort of a theology of of how we think about size, impact, measuring measuring faithfulness. But what other ways do you think? What questions would be interesting to ask about sort of an American Jesus in a social stu- in a social research study? Well,
0: yeah, I, I think that the, the what's happening to us right now is is the question of what are you clinging to? Um, you call it idolatry, but I, I mean, I, if you're familiar with the work of Meister Eckhart, thirteenth century yeah. German. Dominican. Yeah. And uh, he wrote a lot about detachment uh, so we can be present, so Jesus could be birthed in and through us. And his basic thesis is that unless you're empty of the things you're clinging to, Jesus cannot be birthed in and through you. And he used the example of Mary's, his great paradigm is, you know, let it be done according to your word, but she was an empty vessel through whom Jesus could fill. So she was, she was willing to let go of her entire future, so mm-hmm. Jesus come in there, and because that's the same principle that that. So I think his this word of detachment, and not that cold detachment like a you know like a doing accounting numbers or a judge. We're talking about a I'm I'm letting go of of everything. So to what I think an important question to ask is, what are you holding on to? I'm holding on to I got to keep my church together. I'm holding on to my retirement funds. I'm holding on to. No, I think our work every day is letting go. That's our first work is 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 surrendering. And any and every attachments um, to your very life, you, you, you're holding on to nothing but him, so that he can be birthed in you. That is a very challenging place to live, and that is the invitation we, I believe, as pastors and leaders, must first walk in. But you see, if you're whole, if you're clinging, or you certain things can't happen to you, hmm. that's a very big problem. It's a spiritual problem. So I, my my, you know guess like counsel is, that must be addressed first.
1: I love how you phrase it, certain things can't happen to you. That's a very challenging thought and one that the situation that we're in would really challenge. You said something earlier, Pete, that, that has been such a huge part of my personal journey. I had a mentor of mine, Terry Wardle, tell me, ministry is a series of ungrieved losses and life is a series of ungrieved losses. And uh, that uh, set off about a month of tears in my life <laughs> and, and many periodic bouts since then. How do you grieve well when you're in leadership? How do you grieve? Because you're busy during the day. How do you grieve? Yeah,
0: I, I, again, I, I, there's all levels of grief. And yeah. uh, you know, I think it, everything, you have to slow down for true spirituality, first of all. So grieving is no exception. I need time Uh, to feel. And to do that like David did in the Psalms, for example, or Job did, or Jeremiah did, or even Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I do it in a sense, in in an openness and prayerfulness before God, uh, so that again, we're back to, I can surrender my will to his will, and I'm I'm not clinging, and then allowing something new to be birthed out of that. So I would say What your body is, we like that, Jerry and I have a saying, my wife, you know, the body is not a minor prophet, but a major prophet. Mm. So you want to be listening to your body. For example, when you're feeling the anxiety, you're feeling like you're exploding, you're feeling like you want to just go and watch porn tonight, now something to get a release. You want to do something crazy. God's coming to you. That you're not tending to what he's doing inside of you and you need space and time. So you're tempted, you want to go medicate, right? Some kind of a quick fix, but uh, you you can't use God as a quick fix. You can't, this Spirituality is 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 slowing down so that he can do what he wants to do in and through you. And it's just, there's nothing, I know there's nothing in our leadership model for this, Carrie. I mean, it's just our, our yeah. leadership is go. And that's right. What pastor said to me, I'm working harder than ever before. You're working. Yes. We're We you know, We work hard. Our pastors work hard. I, I get that. But, I would say there's limits to what you can work and the same limits you had before, the ones you have right now, you need time to grieve. You need time to listen to God. You need time to feel, you need time to have fun. You need, I mean, you just, you need, you're a human being. You are not God. And so when we cross that line of trying to be God and keep the church and the world, you know, happening the way it should be, uh, we're in a bad place.
1: I'd love to know, and I mean, you've you've written a lot about this and taught a lot about this, but just some core rhythms, disciplines, and practices. Because this is, you know, we thought it was a crisis. It's still a crisis, but you're right, it's cascading crises. What we thought was a season now appears to be chronic. I mean, if stability is coming, whatever that is, who knows when and how. And like, it's an indefinite horizon. So we kind of need new tools. What are some rhythms, disciplines, habits, practices that you think leaders could adopt as early as finishing listening to this podcast that are going to help them uh, adopt a healthier lifestyle?
0: Yeah, so um, again, I'll say a few you know, broad comments, but let me just begin by saying that it must be nuanced, of course, by your particular context. You know, You have children, you don't have children, you're single, you're married you have special needs kids, the nature of your married if you're married and the kind of spouse that God's given you, um, your age, your season of life, these are all factors. But I I would say that this is a moment to readjust rhythms in your life. So I have drawn, what what really for me has been, I think one of the contributions of our work emotionally on the discipleship has been to bring in the riches from monasticism through 2,000 years of church history into the missional evangelical church uh, because I think it takes something that drastic um, Mm -hmm. to slow us down. So what I'm going to suggest is drastic because I do not believe just a willpower of I'm going to spend more time with God or I'm going to really have an accountability partner and watch my schedule. uh, It's not enough. Uh, It's going to require us seeing ourselves differently as pastors and leaders. And I, Mm. I like to say that the church, the church fathers, if you look at it, there was eight doctors of the church in the early church history, second to the fifth centuries. Most of them were monks before they were theologians and leaders. We have, we're first leaders. And then, oh yeah, I also spent, I'm also like a prayer with God. No, no, we are first. I think we had to see ourselves as like David did in Psalm 27, four, uh, I am first a seeker after God. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. You know, that, I might, you know, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and seek him in his temple, that my first work is God. So, um, I, I, and that's why i see I like the riches of some of the monastic traditions. So for me, obviously, Sabbath keeping, which really comes out of Judaism, is, is a must, that I've got a consistent 24-hour Sabbath. That's just set apart. I got a rhythm. What what
1: does your Sabbath look like? I'm always interested in that question. So what, and I know it varies, right? There's no. I'll tell you right now, Jerry and I were just talking about our Sabbath coming up, you
0: know, and uh, we are going to, um, our kids are grown right now. So we're in a little better situation. So we're going to go overnight to uh, the suburbs in Long Island, get out of New York. We're going to bring our bikes uh, and we are going to bike. I have two days of biking, so we're going to go out there Friday, and uh, our, our Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night, and uh, we will bike. And actually, our, my Sabbath this time will go through Sunday. I'm not preaching Sunday, you know, and so I just, but I, we have a 24-hour period, which is our Sabbath, and it's delight. We're going to we're gonna make sure we delight in the gift, the miracle of life, the gift of God. So we're going to get to farms and wineries uh, out in the suburbs and, and bike and enjoy ourselves and our marriage. And so we're, again, we're thinking about it. Today is right now this is monday so we're you know we're ahead of the game and the following weekend we're going to be with our grandchildren you know so we're, we're uh very thoughtful but we we it's setting apart a time it's not a day off you know it's uh it's actually a day to stop rest delight in the beauty of life and to in a sense see the invisible god and all the beauty around you in the visible creation so going out to eat is always a big thing you know and you know it's just
1: so, so it, uh, it almost time. sounds like fun and leaders never give themselves <laughs> permission to enjoy anything so this is this is really good, this is good the therapy. question is
0: can you be leading 20 30 years from now i mean i'm always looking at the long term i, I want i'm looking for pastors to be flourishing over a 40 50 year period um, and that's going to require good stewardship of your very weak frail vessel So Sabbath is one, I, I, you know, silence and stillness is another big, big one for me. I I do daily offices, you know, like monks, morning, midday, evening prayer. Uh, I I have pauses in my day to keep me anchored. I close with a, always with some kind of compliment or uh, I, I kind of bracket my day around stopping to be with God so that my goal is like right now we're talking, but I want to be aware of his presence while we're chatting. I want to be prayerful, remembering him always. And that requires stopping so I can be abiding while I'm active. And then as a rule of life, I, I think it's very important to always have a, working on a, a rule of life, which, uh, you go on our website, we've developed some stuff on how do, how do you develop and craft a rule of life. I think i would be very intentional of how do I develop a structure in my whole life over not just weeks, but quarters and a year where, so my the love of God is in the center of everything I say and everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes out of the riches of monasticism. And I, I've tried to adapt it over the years to pastors and leaders, because we're living in intense environments. I mean, pastoring a church is hard. And it was Aquinas who said that the most difficult life is the mixed life. Uh, It's not, if you're a monk, you know, living behind closed doors, that's easy. If you're just an active leader, that's easier. But if you're going to try to be both a contemplative activist,
2: now that takes a grace from God Hmm. and a lot of maturity as well a couple of things that I'm just thinking about and, and listening first this is such a gift. I'm thinking about all the people I want to sort of recommend specifically to listen to the podcast and, and, and Pete, your stuff has been so helpful to me personally. And it feels like I know, I know for, for me, um, leading Barna, 25 years of leading Barna, trying to think about the long haul. And I think about what, what I can do, you know, here the Lord as the Lord allows in the next 10, 20, 25 years. And so it's a very important season. And so, First, I'm just hoping you might invite uh, Carrie and I on the bike ride. So that's just to put, put a note. <laughs> you, know what, you know what
1: occurred to me, David? It's like, because I, I, I make a habit of the people I interview if Sabbath comes up to find out their routines. It, they feel like the kind of people you want to be friends with.
2: <laughs> exactly. As
1: a, which is really interesting. It's like, no, you have permission to enjoy this life from time to time. Like you really do and enjoy God. And I think those of us in leadership forget that. So, hey, yeah, I, I want to go biking too. That sounds like a lot of fun.
2: I think that's great. And one thing for me, this th- during the pandemic, um, I've I've uh, spent money on things that my other people around me are like, "What are you spending your money?" On? Like, I bought puzzles. I bought uh, just these really cool high end puzzles called Liberty puzzles. I have bought Legos. I've bought board games, and uh, it's probably a little bit more than my but my puzzle budget would would ordinarily allow or my Lego budget. But I'm actually I'm actually been. I, like I'm thinking about the 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 the, um, the puzzle set that we'll build this next weekend and sort of sort of in my in my world hang with my kids I've got 21 nineteen and, and sixteen and then my brother um you know being able to do those fun things um you know especially during the coronavirus we're at home more so I've always I always have a lot of hobbies that's been something I've inherited from my dad and I think you know my dad was in has been in ministry for uh for you know f- 40 plus almost 50 years. And, uh, that active hobby made, you know, model railroads and, you know, sort of painting and all sorts of really cool stuff. And, um, just very active, had a very active Sabbath sabbatical rhythm in his life. And so, um, anyway, it's kind of fun to think about how can we use, how can we use our resources as well? You know, a lot of us are going to end up, you know, passing away with a lot more money in the bank. That we could have spent on just you know enjoying a little bit more of life. Um, Of course, we all you know have to be within in a a budget, within a rhythm. But um, anyway, I'm just sort of thinking about the ways we give ourselves permission as leaders to enjoy uh, the good things in life.
0: Yeah, and I I would even say that part of the shift that needs to happen is that when you're you're doing that, your theology is integrated. In other words, you're going to delight in whether you know you're going to go for a bike ride, you're going to go for a beautiful dinner, you're going to make love with your spouse you're doing it for the sake of the world. You're, 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 you know, Jerry and I are just saying, you know, let's go make love and save the world, you know, because you're, 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 you're delighting, you're doing God's will and thus you're bringing a gift to the world. you understand? Like by you delighting in that puzzle, you're serving us just like you're serving us by doing your research or writing a blog, Terry, you know, it's, it's, Mm. it's all the same before God. It's I want to be obedient and responding to him, Along the way, if that makes any sense, and so it's all holy, and I think the orthodox uh, the Orthodox Eastern Church has a, has a real sacramental view of life that all of life is holy, it's all sacramental and and so I don't have this compartmentalized view as oh i'm I'm doing a podcast, this really is God's work, but then I gotta go make dinner later that's not quite as much God's work as I'm doing as important as doing this podcast. Yeah.
2: That,
0: that's, a, that's a compartmentalized theology, which again is part of very much Western culture. The idea it's part of what God's doing of, of he's doing something profound in uh, the depth of us as pastors and leaders first right now, because we are, what we've done isn't working. We are in <laughs> trouble. And that's not a bad thing. The question is, okay, now God, how do you want to lead me? And let God, in a sense, form me for this next season because uh, the way – what we've done to this point is not sufficient. The kind of leaders we need to lead through this kind of crisis had better be deeply anchored in God themselves and with some other people. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not – I don't care how skilled a preacher you are and builder you are and strategist, you probably want to go be a CEO of a company because we need deeply spiritual people who are tuned into Jesus – who can bring Jesus to people uh in the midst of these very challenging times with all these voices screaming uh, around us?
2: I'd love to ask you about uh grief. Um, you've mentioned that and the 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 right way to think about the grieving process. Carrie, you talked about sort of ungrieved losses, so many will know who listen that my wife is um is very sick with brain cancer. Um, so it's just hard for me to even say those words. My my high school sweetheart, and you know the the mother of our, my kid, just my best friend, and even hearing you talk about you know um, making love and saving the world, you know it's kind of hard because our our life is in a different sort of stage as we kind of as we kind of help her through this process. So I say all that because I want to be open, you know, with myself and with leaders. And and so a lot of leaders have lost people to COVID, or you know they've they've lost mar- marriages or under. Deep and challenging circumstances, and I just i want to be as honest so help help give us some ideas about how we should go through grief um what are some you know some signposts along the ways um, how do we think about the right kind of rhythms uh as we as we as as a, a group of leaders take on both individual grief and you know like my 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 grief as well as all the things we're grieving as leaders today? well, thank you for sharing that i
0: i obviously the, the one, number one thing is you're, you know, you can't do what you were doing prior, right? I mean, David, you, you just, you need space, right? So that's a, that's a limit. It's a limit and you want to receive it, not fight it and chafe at it, but saying, okay, God's, you know, calling me right now to to you know limit my work probably with research and speaking and all that because you need space and time. So, I think that's number one to actually feel it. Um uh, I like, you know, Walter brueggemann has got this, you know, I don't know, Walter Brueggemann, he's written about um, you know, the Psalms and of orientation, reorientation disorientation, and reorientation. And have you ever read uh Jerry Sitzer's book, A Grief Disguise, which I think is one of the best books on grief out there, it's really worth reading. Definitely <laughs> yourself and yours and what you're walking through right now. And he lost his wife, uh, mother, and a daughter in a car accident. <sighs> professor at Whitworth Whit- college it's grace disguised Zondervan older book but really really moving you wrote a few years after this nuclear explosion as he said you know blew up his family in one moment and are just very devotional reflections on loss and and um uh it's very as you know a very untidy process uh very untidy process but i i I don't believe you can grow into maturity without entering into grief and loss i Hmm. it's not possible to grow into a mature disciple, let alone a mature leader without it. Um, so it's very critical to, I, I, I think to learn about it just biblically and just, there's so much around it. Okay, how do I pay attention to it? Well, I got to be in the field. I don't do feelings. I know I didn't do feelings either. I didn't do grief and loss. My family didn't do it. Men didn't do it. In my family, we did anger. Uh, so that was a whole new learning. Like, and I didn't want, I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to go down to this pit, you know, and then I found out Jesus was waiting for me there. Um, uh, and then I'm, I'm, I'm like second phase. I'm, I'm at the same time. I'm holding it before the Lord. I'm, I'm not doing it in isolation. I'm in this pit, but I'm, I'm in his presence. I think that's the brilliance of David. That's the, you know, if you remember when Saul and Jonathan died in battle, in second Samuel one, he stops the army and he writes a psalm of laments and he makes everybody sing it. He forces everybody to sing it. So he understands that this is so important. Man, our churches need need grief, uh, you know, opportunity. That's why we have. That's why we have you know uh, memorials like Vietnam and Holocaust museums and nine 11s and um because you know museums because they're so important. And then we, but at the same time, we we believe in the resurrection. And, yeah. and, and so we, we we hold on there to to Jesus and that he really does bring new things out of death and and he really is alive and uh that's the beauty of Christianity now, how long did it take job in those 35 chapters of despair before the new came was it years probably it was a long time you know I uh it I, how you're in the middle of something right very intense you're going to be in it for a while and but I even though you may not feel anything, this is probably one of the most significant, probably is, of your whole life in God. I mean, this is going to shape and change you and change Barna. And th- thus it's going to change us. And you're going to change everybody. Around. Your entire ministry is going to be informed by this. And so have you ever, ever heard of uh, that art called Kintsugi? I don't know how to Kintsugi, it's Japanese art. Um, it, it's it's, it's uh, when, when a bowl gets broken, um, and they, they, they put it together with some gold kind of liqueur mm. and it's very precious. Uh, and, uh, the point is that, that God takes, that's what shattered. He makes something beautiful. You know, you're being, when we're, it's in our shatteredness, our, our trauma that art comes, mm. that beauty comes. Uh, and God somehow is obsessed with taking flawed, broken people and creating something artistic and beautiful for the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, we're all being very broken. You're in a particular brokenness right now. Um, but there is something God weaves in that process, which, I mean, none of us want it, but is, is remarkable. And so rather than running away from loss and grief and trauma... We run to it because it's the heart of God making something
2: unrepeatable. That's a gift. That's beautiful. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I'm wondering. I'm wondering, in my mind, part of the reason that I'm willing to sort of talk about my life and our grief um, is to help others do the same. And I'm almost wondering if part of the discipline through this fall and into the into the new year is is church leaders. Uh, expressing their grief and learning to lament as a congregation for all that's been lost and all that's been, you know, happened to us. Um, and you have thoughts or ideas on how congregations can do that, sort of in a in a corporate way, in a in a public way, in a in a together way.
0: Yeah, I mean, ima- imagine. Yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to do a sermon series, for example, on the Psalms. And two thirds of the Psalms are laments. So they preach different types of sermons. You know, different types of Thanksgiving. You know, praise. Some laments. Confessions, wisdom psalms, but then ask people to invite people to write psalm, write a psalm of their their experience, and you'll be surprised. I did it once at our church years ago. I think ninety percent of the psalms that we receive were laments, because
2: hmm.
0: that's where people are living. And to let them write it down uh, is such a gift. Uh, imagine singing some laments, which we don't do in our churches. Uh, it's just not very Western to sing laments, you know. Uh, Music companies aren't looking for laments; they don't sell. Uh, so we, we like to fix things. We want to. F- we we can't. We can't fix what's happening right now. We can cooperate with it. We can surrender to it. We can let go of everything we're holding on to and clinging to. But you you're going to try to fix this. I, I think it's going to be a miserable experience, and and it's very likely you may not stay in this if if these birth pangs keep cascading of crises. Uh, which, you know, it's happened in other places over the last 2,000 years. Uh, you know, we won't be the first kingdom to fall uh, in history. We won't be the first Christians to walk through something like this either, by any means. Uh, we, It's going to be very difficult with the spirituality of, I'd call it Americanized spirituality, to get through this because this is not bigger, better, faster, and you can't fix it.
1: Well, I know we're, uh, we're pushing an hour, so uh, I do have one more question. David, you may have some other things. It's been so helpful. But you talk about cascading crises. We're all grieving, which is true. Some very personal, and David and I have been walking through you know, the season, all along with other leaders. But uh, we mentioned before we went live about the election. We are still on the front end of the election. And speak about cascading crises, wherever your particular political persuasion is or isn't uh, this is not going to be an easy season. I would love to get your recommendation to leaders about how to conduct themselves in a highly bitterly divided time where it almost looks like whoever wins, there's no winner. Wow. All in two minutes, huh? Yeah. You have two minutes. So, uh, go ahead and, and, and deal with that. <laughs> uh, Pete, if you would. Yeah. Not no, we, so- we're not, we're not like totally out of time, but I'm like, I, I didn't, I thought, uh, our little conversation before we started rolling was helpful. I think, you know, Carrie, I, I don't have a, I, I've been thinking about this
0: yeah. now. I've been taking most, I mentioned to you earlier, uh, um, and I've got to do a couple of podcasts on my own on it, but I, I think there's some, there's some grounding that again, it's, it has to start with us in our own, you know, heart. You know, we are a colony. Our citizenship is in heaven. What does that mean? You know, let your magnanimity, let your gentleness be evident to all that word is magnanimity. You know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. I mean, and then, and then the peace of God, the God's peace will fill you. I mean, that's, how do I live in that place in the middle of all this? Well, that's number one. So I think there's some principles we we, we don't we're, we're meant to, we as a church are a colony of heaven. Every local church is meant to be a colony of heaven. We we represent Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, this different world. So we we don't the values of what's going on around us are not to be informing us. They, they're, they're, we we're in this new family of Jesus, functioning as countercultural communities. Now, there are some qualities of that countercultural community that we must hold on to, such as the peace of God, such as uh, prayerfulness, such as we don't dehumanize people. We, we don't judge people. That's not our That's We love people. Our, our call is to love. So if there's someone you don't love, if you're full of hate towards whatever political party that you think is going to destroy the country, um you're off, you're, you're out of line. That does not belong in the colony of Jesus, the church, the, the, the new family of Christ. So the, I think the leadership we need right now for as pastors is to set some parameters of uh, this is, no, this does not belong in, in, in the church. I don't, you know, for, I heard someone call for violence recently and I, I was out in the name of God uh, and I was outraged um, uh it's just—it's who's going to say something? I, people, someone said, "I don't want to say anything so I don't want to get shot." I said, "Well, I, I know, but if you're a shepherd and you're stewarding God's truth, uh, now I know it's a, how, what is the truth, right?" And w- w- yes, it's got to be—it's going to take some thought and wisdom. Um, but I think we've got to be willing to take some hits from the far right, the far left. Um, we're neither right or left or not we're we're about jesus and we're, we're we're to be a sign and wonder to the world i don't think right now we're functioning as a sign and wonder to the world i think we're wrapped up in the anxiety so just for me to get into a place of non-anxious to be a non-anxious presence and to be able to listen to people who think differently than me that takes a lot of character uh, our people need to be able to do that um we've got to equip them we've got so i i i don't have a quick answer to you i i, I was thinking about john cassian he was a 4th 5th century uh writer and he wrote about one of the most important qualities in the early church was, was discretion. And that is the ability to, to wait for things to unfold and not rush plans. And I think the wisdom of being discreet, it's mentioned in Proverbs multiple times, you know, is so needed today because we're we're pushed into people are trying to push you us into corners hmm. uh on points of view and uh and just the wisdom that are like no social media i'm not engaging in you know tweets i may get a thousand retweets but i'm not helping anything and how do i steward your power that i'm carrying and you know pastors and leaders have a you have power uh that that has to be stewarded well and you can't be sloppy about it i and i think whatever you align yourself with a particular political party you're in deep trouble I I think you're you've crossed the line I I don't think we ever we can ever align ourselves with the right or left because we're aligned with Jesus and there are certain issues I'm aligned with with Democrats and others with Republicans but no one can own you
1: Hmm. Jesus owns you maybe that's a wonderful place to stop David anything else that was uh that was great
2: I really appreciate all the wisdom, Pete, and uh, just uh, for all of for all of uh, the listeners who are joining us in this journey, joining me and my wife and the kids in this journey. And I know we're all going through a lot together. And um, and you know, this has been a crazy year uh, that that just feels like we're trying to find our true north. And I appreciate Pete the way you've reminded us that we find that in Jesus. Thanks, David.
1: Well people will want to know more uh where they, where can they find you online these days
0: i just go to www.emotionallyhealthy.org there's a whole lot of good free stuff for you to delve into on whether it's a rule of life or you name it and nice inventory am i an emotional infant child adolescent or adult just go check it out you'll see all kinds of goodies on emotionallyhealthy.org mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's why I love doing this, uh, this podcast, because I hope there will be leaders who are leading strong five years from now because they heard this episode, maybe families that stay together, parents that lean in, staffs that are rebuilt. And I really, I really think the church should be a force for unity, not division in a season like this. And that's how we make progress as an alternative to the culture, not a reflection of it. Uh, David, just remind people once again where they can get the free resources on emotional health that Barna's put together, relational health.
2: Yeah, so so much of what we've been doing is available at barnaaccess.com. We've got a study called Trauma in America, the Restoring Relationships monograph, the study that I mentioned at the outset of our podcast on the connected generation on an emotionally the needs of an emotionally healthy church by the next generation from the next generation. Um, and so barnaaccess.com is where you can get all that stuff. And uh, also the free check-in that you can use with your people, the People Pulse, to find out how people are doing in your congregation. That's been one of our visions from the very beginning of the last year. We've been working on uh, the ability to give pastors and leaders the tools to really see how people are doing. Like if you're gonna be an effective leader, being connected to yourself and being connected to the the sort of the the mental and emotional health of people you're serving is so important, it's critically important. So you can check that out at barnaxis.com or at churchpulseweekly.com.
1: Awesome, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Those of you who are watching live as well, really glad to have you. Thank you for getting the word out for Church Pulse Weekly too. If this episode has encouraged you or helped you, please share on social And uh, you can tag me, tag Pete, tag the Barna Group, and uh, just let us know that this is making a difference. We'll be back with a fresh episode next week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on Church Pulse Weekly.
0: Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.